Today in Agronomy on KFILAM AM 1060 with Pioneer Field Agronomist Allie Wise and Josh Schaffner. Here's Josh and Allie. Good morning, Southeast Minnesota. Today is June 9th. This is episode number 73. Um, Josh, so really hot across the area. Um, so obviously we're maybe just going to start with a nice update of where we're sitting GDU-wise locally, um, and then just kind of progressing that conversation into other considerations as we look at this extreme heat um, down the stress, stretch. Kind of a unique season. Obviously, we started this growing season uh, with very abnormally dry and cool conditions, so we weren't really accumulating many GDUs a day. And then now as we progress, you know, from this past weekend on, obviously, we're picking up a lot of heat. But if we just look at the GDUs for, say, close to the Preston area, um, since April 14th, we've picked up about 465 GDUs. I don't have how far that maybe puts us above the average. We should be a touch above the average there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then rainfall, obviously, we're sitting we're sitting at about like seven, almost eight inches. Um, but certainly, as we all know, there are the abnormally dry parts of Southeast Minnesota on the drought monitor now and those that are that are also in the moderate drought zone. So we know that moisture is becoming kind of the name of the game. Um, but just, you know, your take on this heat that's that's to come. Yeah, it, it's been a unique stretch here. And, um, you know, I think if we look at that GD number, that's about 68 ahead of, of normal from that from that date, uh, which if you do think back to April and May, um, by no means were we warm. There's a couple warm days in there, but uh, GDU accumulation was was really slow. And you think about, you know, taking 25, 30 plus days to get some of the corn on the ground. So it took a you know a long time just to you know collect the the GDUs just to get to emergence, which usually takes you know, in the ballpark of 120 ish. Just depend, it depends on some hybrid differences there too. But uh, so it's really kicked into gear. Um, you know, and, and great to see that accumulation. You know, and uh, definitely quite a stretch here. You know, it isn't very often in June we string together a heat stretch like this and and kind of looking at the 15 day alley. I don't think there's a huge amount of relief. You know, some days that, um, you know, might just stay into the eighties, but it looks like we'll at least be in the mid eighties here for at least another 15 days. And I think as we come back next week and and maybe a week beyond there, that plus 68 is going to climb into triple digits and probably be at a 200 here in a couple of weeks, potentially at the pace we're going. But, uh, uh, yeah, you know, it's interesting, you know, I, you don't want to be doom and gloom. I mean, it, it definitely, I think it's all in our mind, this heat and moisture stress. Hopefully we can get some moisture here, uh, some chance in the year and get a little bit of relief there. But, uh, you know, on the flip side, if we do continue with this kind of heat without some moisture, we're, we're going to start to probably see that the crops show that a little bit here in time. I think we can hang on for a little while here yet, but, um, it'll be interesting to see how we think about that a week from now when we get back together for the next episode. Yeah. And I think too, so just, you know, maybe from a crop progression standpoint, you'd figure you're probably adding a leaf collar every three days with this hot forecast. And I think the only thing good about, we talked about that slower, like May growth pattern would be that we're, that could prevent us from stretching this corn too much, this growing season, getting it too cold. So too tall. So maybe these, these two will eventually Mm -hmm. even themselves out, but certainly we'll be keeping our eye on it. Um, Josh, another popular topic of conversation across the area um, is just, you know, looking for some commentary around the frost recovery. Obviously, we had a lot of calls last week, specifically on no-till soybean acres um, that in a lot of cases did require some replant. Um, But the corn, obviously, you know, we know that growing point was below the ground, but we did, you know, that frost did melt those plants, you know, maybe all the way down to the ground in some cases or just partially melted them. Um, So just maybe a recovery update on what some of that new growth looks like between the two. Yeah, it's, you know, kind of the roller coaster, you know, continues. And I know we've missed a couple episodes the last uh, four weeks here, Allie, just from 
you know, I got really bombarded with, with some of the crusting thing. And then, uh, the frost situation, um, uh, would have been a week ago. Saturday was, was unforeseen. I know we're sitting here talking about this heat wave we're in and it's kind of crazy that, you know, 10, 12 days ago we were, we, were, we froze, you know, we were really cold and, and, uh, yeah, kind of, a definitely wasn't, didn't maybe see that coming and, um, you know, really had a bigger impact than a lot of assault thought. If you kind of look at the low temperatures at night, if you're really watching it, you, you, you maybe weren't too nervous about it. You know, if you got up that morning looking around, it's like, Hey, there ain't much frost. I think we'll be good. Um, but then as things progress, we, we really saw, especially the no-till soybeans and, and even corn that was no-till, you know, probably get hit the hardest, um, was cold enough to, to definitely, you know, take out some soybeans and kill them. And, and like you mentioned, the replant, we had, you know, several thousand acres of replant in Southeast Minnesota and, um, of just our stuff, which, you know, I don't know what the total number was, but you know, it, it was a pretty big number when you put it all together, which was unfortunate. Um, the other thing that was really frustrating, Ellie, was the, the freeze was really uneven. So sometimes within a field, it was areas were good, areas of bad, which was really frustrating, especially in no-till or with some cover crop. It was just hard to pick those areas out as you go and scout that. So it's kind of a, a really complicated thing. So we had to do some patchwork, some supplements, some total replants. Um, corn uh, was was impacted pretty hard, too. Um, there may or may not be a little bit of replant on corn in some really severe situations, um, but for the most part, the corn is starting to recover. It, it was melted down. So it took literally, you know, you're not feeling even remotely good about it till about yesterday or today, which that's just how long it takes, which is kind of frustrating, but, um, you know, it, um, a little bit of a setback, um, uh, it, it may or may not have a big yield impact depending on how we recover and the GDU accumulations here. But, um, yeah, definitely an unforeseen thing. And just kind of, a another small little, little bump in the road here of, uh, kind of just the way this growing season has been so far. Yeah, and certainly as folks are out making their final assessments, and we are as well, don't hesitate to reach out as you need our help just making those final decisions here. Um, outside of that, as we come back from break here, Josh, we're just going to talk a little bit more about maybe what some of these side dress applications will look like for us considering some of the dry in the forecast. Welcome back, listeners. Uh, Allie, segment one, we kind of talked about you know a couple of big topics here the last week. Obviously, the GDU accumulation, which is you know, a really a great thing this time of year. Again, uh, you know, we talked a little about moisture, but um, the corn is really perked up and, um, you know, being ahead on GDUs. And if we continue to stay ahead, it really kind of sets up our season to to hopefully not have a lot of GDU issues down the stretch and, and hopefully having a drier crop. So always a good thing. But but with that, um, you know, the crop is progressing fast. So we, if we think about kind of those next big steps, um, you know, I think for the most part, a lot of guys are through the corn on a herbicide standpoint. Um, still a few things to get wrapped up there, but I think we got a lot of that done. And now uh, we've kind of entered that side dress window. And as we, we think about the, the hot and dry conditions, what are some things we want to be be thinking about, Allie, as uh, we start making these applications? Yeah. So for starters, you know, you talk about the hot and dry. And so when we look at making these applications, obviously, I think the first time that comes to mind is how much of that application are we going to actually utilize or how much are we going to lose from the situation knowing that we don't have moisture in the profile. So I think you can look at this from a lot of different ways, knowing that a lot of folks are using, you know, different forms for their citrus applications. But I think if we work ourselves down the line, you know, the most concerning that I think we want to make some recommendations around, let's start maybe on the dry urea side of things, work our way to UAN, and then maybe talk about what that looks like for folks with anhydrous citrus applications. Yeah. Um, so I think the first thing, you know, and this has come up a little bit of, you know, should we delay applications? And, and that's probably been a couple of questions I've had. Should we kind of wait it out and see if the forecast improves and 
and that's kind of a catch 21, you know, uh, we talked about this with Prees and, and herbicide. I think we had this, we had this conversation, Ellie, probably back in late April, early May there when, when we were planting and we were getting dry there too. And should we, you know, spray our prees if we don't get moisture that might not work. And we're kind of in the same thing here with the side dress. And, and, and my take is going to be the same now as what it was then. I would stay the course with what your game plan is because you just never know, you know, when you, when you might get a shower, when, when that weather could change. But um, the big thing with urea, um, you know, I think we, we just have to be utilizing a ureus inhibitor like, like agrotain, probably at the high rate, you know, to try to get us up to that 14 day, 14 days of protection to, to try to protect that investment. And hopefully within that time, we can get a shower, which historically, you know, I'd say in Southeast Minnesota, it ain't very often we go 14 days with no moisture, but um, you know, we'll just have to see what shakes out. And, and even on the UAN side, if, if we're doing some, some, some banding there or, or a wide drop, I, I would even consider probably adding the, the, the urease inhibitor to that as well. Just from a standpoint, you know, there's a percentage of that nitrogen that's pretty vulnerable. And we usually don't knife that stuff in too deep. A lot of times we're a coulter or dribbling on top of the ground with a wide drop machine. So I think that could still be a, a really good investment. And uh, some things we got to be looking at. And the other thing, if we delay, especially dry alley, is if that corn gets bigger, we have more risk of getting urea down in the whirl, which you know, can lead to some burn, usually not a huge yield limiting thing, but if we can avoid crop response on anything we're doing, I, I think it's probably you know, a good thing to avoid that crop, that negative crop response. Yeah, no, that's a good reminder there. Cause I oftentimes get questions on the dry of how far could I push that application? So just, you know, looking at, like you said, just important to remember that you can't try and outguess the weather. So get in and make those applications to sit with the same plan that you had considering. Um, and another thing to remember, you know, what's nice too about the situation we are across most operations, should you get into a situation where we feel like we lost too much of that nitrogen, you know, a lot of utilization of Y drop these days. So hopefully you could, could track down a rig that could help you out as we push a little later into the season. Um, I'm backtracking a little bit here, Josh, but I did just want to bring up, you know, with this hot weather, I have had a few questions on some of these post herbicide applications. You know, are we concerned about any injury around those? Um, and one thing to remember too, with this recent heat and surge in temperatures, we might start to see some of the rapid growth syndrome, um, which does not just disturb or hurt yield. Um, but sometimes we can maybe confuse the rapid growth syndrome with something we feel like was an onset from a, from a post herbicide application. Any comments around that? Yeah. Yeah. I'll take a one, one kind of one step, a topic at a time there. Um, you know, the herbicide applications that we still have some left on corn, I think the big thing, just depending on what you're spraying, um, you know, there are some products that as you get to 11 inch corn, like acetochlor, you know, we got to be getting those wrapped up. And the other thing, just, just be careful with your surfactant loads is probably been the big thing I've been encouraging growers is, you know, if, if you're, if you're spraying products with glyphosate and like a grass residual, like, um, metulachlor or acetochlor, you know, you could probably almost leave your surfactants out is probably what I would recommend to do. Uh, if you are using it, maybe cut the rates in half a little bit, just to be safe, especially if you got those two in combination, just cause you're, you're getting a pretty good surfactant load with acetochlor and glyphosate. Now, if you're in <clears throat> some conventional products or other things, you know, the surfactants are probably going to be, still be really important, but just, just talk to your local, uh, you know, agronomist or your, your, your chem representative of what the best way to go about that is uh, in these kind of conditions. And, um, then the second part what was your second question. I was rambling on about that one, Allie. I'm not sure. Oh, so I was just <laughs> reminding that we might start to see some rapid growth syndrome oh, yeah. you know, with this yep. recent yep. Um, surge and just this rapid rate of mm -hmm. growth in the corn. So sometimes mm -hmm. we'll receive a lot of calls on that when we do start to see that yep. bright yellow leaf start coming out. 
So just a reminder to you that this is, there can be a genetic component to it, but really it's just rare that plants would not recover from being wrapped or or rolled. So it's just that, that new leaf coming out. Yep. Yeah. That'll be something I'm guessing in a week to 10 days, we'll probably see that driving across the area. And uh, we see more of it, Allie. We can talk about that on next week's episode, but uh, thanks for joining in and uh, we'll see you. See y'all next week. You've been listening to Today in Agronomy on KFILAM 1060. If you've missed part of the show or want to hear more, check out the show page at kfilradio.com or with the 103.1 KFIL app. Stay connected with Allie and Josh on Twitter. It's at Allie G-Wise, W-I-S-E, and at Josh Schaffner. Submit your questions for the show. Tune in next Wednesday for the next Today in Agronomy on KFILAM 1060.